Welcome to Prima's podcast. My name is Shonda Raglan. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Randy Anderson will discuss five ways to reduce stress in the workplace. Randy is co-founder of E3 Professional Trainers, a Texas-based training firm that provides workplace and life training for individuals, teams, and companies. Before starting E3 in 2005, Randy spent 20 years in the sales and management industry. For most of that time, his focus was on media sales, which allowed him to work with virtually every type of business and in various industries. Using his previous experiences, Randy developed the strategies and tools that he now uses to help people become more engaged in their job, better equipped and fully empowered to accomplish more at work and enjoy more fulfillment in life. In 2012, Randy received the Certified Speaking Professional designation. This is the most distinguished designation awarded by the National Speakers Association. We will also be joined by Danica Williams, Prima's Member Services Manager. Danica will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Randy. To begin our discussion, tell us about some of the main causes of stress for today's average worker. Well, thanks so much, and I appreciate you having me today. Yeah, you know, we look at stress. We look at stress in the workplace. We look at stress in life. You know, stress is bad, so stop doing it. You know, wouldn't it be great if, if it was that easy to just say, let's quit doing this, let's, let's stop being so stressed? But, you know, the main causes of stress, when we look at it, I mean, in the workplace especially, it, it, number one, it's our workload. I think most people in most organizations feel like they're doing more work than they've ever done, and in reality, they probably are. Sometimes the cause of stress is the people that are in our lives, whether it be coworkers, whether it be customers, uh, whether it be a boss, whether it be a subordinate. Sometimes it's technology, you know, and the technology is designed to make things so much better for us, and yet sometimes it is a point of great frustration. Take a person like me who is not patient, I don't want to read on the internet and look for an answer. I don't always have an IT person that I can immediately reach out to, and so that can cause stress. You know, when you think about it, many of the things that we would say cause us stress are things that we ought to love. I mean, you know, when you look at it, you pick the job you're in. You pick the career field you're in. This is what you chose. The people that love you in spite of you, you know, whether that be uh, your kids that are the way they are because you raised them that way or whether that be, you know, the person that you're married to or whatever, the things that cause us stress are not necessarily bad things. And, you know, when we look at the stress that we experience, a lot of people spend a lot of their life on a bunch of really good things, but they don't leave sufficient time for the things that they would say are most important. And so we feel stressed as a result of that. And if we're really, you know, self-aware and completely honest, I think we'd have to admit that we cause ourselves a lot of stress, whether it be that we're disorganized whether it be that we have uh, poor prioritization skills, you know, that we're, we're doing the wrong things or we're not doing the most important things, whether it's distraction, lack of focus, that may come from lack of sleep, that may come from a lack of passion for what we're doing, or it may just be a, you know, a personal uh, mental discipline challenge, or just an inability to say no when people ask us to add something else to our list or something else to our list of responsibilities, and we just can't say no. 
to the Christmas party committee or to the golf tournament committee or to PTA or to coaching little league or whatever it is. And, and all of those things, again, they're good things, but they may be taking away from some more important things. And, you know, I always, we always have to remind ourselves stress isn't always bad. I mean, we want to reduce stress, but stress is not always bad. Stress can help us to focus better. Stress for many of us raises our level of performance. It often increases the speed of our performance. It can cause us to be more team-oriented. If I'm stressed and I want to try to get help with something, I, I may reach out to a team or I may help a team member. You know, I, I hear so many people say, well, you know, I do my best work at the last minute. I do my best work with a hard deadline. And, and my initial response is, how do you know? Have you ever tried any differently? You know, because I started in high school or college writing a paper on the night before it was due instead of getting ahead. And so I don't know that they really know if they would do better work if they gave themselves more time. But nonetheless, that stress that comes from that imminent deadline really can make us be better, can make us be more focused, can make us be less distracted. And, uh, you know, so I think that when we look at it, that there are a lot of causes of stress, but I don't know that we need to necessarily eliminate all those things from our life. It's just that we need to do a better job of kind of keeping things in a proper order and putting things of highest value first. And so, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things that cause stress, but relieving stress doesn't mean getting rid of all those things necessarily. Now, is there anything people can do to reduce workplace stress? Well, you know, when I, I, I do lots of different training on lots of different topics, and, and when I'm asked about this, I think there's some key ingredients that may contribute more heavily towards stress than others. And I'm going to touch on just a few of those today. You know, there's no way in a 15 or 30-minute podcast that I can tell you all the secrets to a long and fulfilling life that is stress-free. I mean, that would be great if we could take a magic pill, but that's just, in reality, that's just not going to be possible for most of us. And so, you know, here's a few things that I think will really help a lot. Number one, I think it's important to reduce stress in your personal life if you expect to be less stressed at work. Uh, you know, much of what is going on in our mind when we're at work is related to personal issues and not work issues. And we have brought the frustrations of home with us to the office. And so that's my first suggestion is you really need to create what I would refer to as a life plan for peak performance. And when I talk about a life plan, I'm talking about really, truly identifying what is most important in your life and building your life around that so that you, so that you feel like you're accomplishing something of, of worth you're accomplishing something of lasting value, something that you'll be happy with long-term. And if we're going to try to make sure we're functioning at peak performance, that can, that can entail everything from, uh, you know, what am I eating? How much am I exercising? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I reading or learning things outside of work to just to keep my brain sharp, not just because my boss told me I have to do that before my next performance appraisal? Are we fostering spiritual growth in our life, whatever belief system we may be a part of and, and whatever practices we may uh, participate in? Are we doing anything there? Are we fostering good relationships with family and friends as well as coworkers? Are we doing anything to make the world around us a better place through volunteering or doing different things that we may not be recognized, we may not be promoted for, probably won't get paid for, 
but we're doing the right things, you know, as far as being a good citizen, a good neighbor, uh, you know, a, a good person, so to speak, uh, in the community. And then finally, you know, on the outside, as we look at that, um, you know, I think we've really got to make sure that we're leaving ourselves some amount of margin, what I would refer to as margin, a term that I stole from a book by a guy named Dr. Richard Swenson, some cushion, you know, some, some difference between the amount of time we have and the commitments that we've made. And when you look at life balance, I heard a great example one time of, of, of uh, you know, what, what life balance can really do for you long term. If I were to hand you a glass of water and ask you to hold that glass of water straight out, hold your arms straight out from you, it really doesn't, the, the pain that that's going to inflict or how tired you're going to get doesn't have as much to do with how much that glass of water weighs as how long I'm going to have you hold that out in front of you. And so if your life is out of balance, it doesn't have to be completely messed up in order to take a heavy toll on you over a period of time. Not getting quite enough sleep or not ever working out or, or, or not having uh, strong relationships, whichever one of those it may be, we have to understand the importance of life balance is about a long race called life, not a short sprint called going to work today. And, you know, when you're, when you're stressed out about something in your personal life, one thing you can consider is how long is this going to matter? To how many people is it going to matter? And what's the real value or the real cost of the situation? I heard a great expression one time said, don't give $5 responses to 50-cent problems. And I think a lot of times in life, we get really stressed out about some stuff that really in the, in the, in the bigger picture, in the longer scheme of things, really are not going to matter that much. So that's the first thing, I think, is that we need to know how stress away from work may be affecting us while we're at work. Because if I bring all those problems with me, it's going to carry over into my work. Second thing I would suggest is uh, people need to get really good at controlling their time instead of letting their time control them. And, you know, I, uh, oftentimes I, one of the examples I use in my time management presentation is we know the old adage, time is money. Well, if, if time is money, I think we would all agree we waste money regularly. You know, buying soft drinks, buying tobacco products, going to the movies, having cable, you know, doing different things entertainment-wise. Nothing wrong with any of those things necessarily by themselves, but we, we're not really treating that money like it is so, so valuable that we just can't let it slip away. Well, my, my concern is if I look at time is money, then I'll waste my time the same way I waste my money. I ask people to shift their thinking to the idea that time is life. Time is the currency of life. Time is all you have to trade for whatever you're going to do or be or have. So three things on that. Number one, you want to prioritize tasks. You, know, you want to put them in a logical sequence, have a logical order of succession where you go through the day in an efficient way. We want to look for ways to tighten up our day. In other words, fill in the cracks, move meetings back to back instead of losing 15 or 20 minutes between two meetings when my, my thought is, well, I really don't have time to start something new, so I'm just going to sit here and check email. Or I'm going to stop by so-and-so's cubicle and just check on them, and, and I let those minutes slip away. And then the third thing is to create a time budget, and that may be a that may be a kind of a foreign concept. I've got information available about that on my website, e3professionaltrainers.com. But for most folks, that's a new concept, but it's the idea of allocating time instead of just responding to whatever's in your in-tray or your email box or your voicemail box. A writer and speaker named David Allen said, much of the stress we experience doesn't come from having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what we've already started. 
So I'd really encourage you, you know, as, as you look at the way that you're spending your time and you're setting up your day and you're, and you're making priorities, be a finisher. Be somebody who finishes those projects you've already started and you'll experience less stress because you don't have all those open-ended issues in the back of your mind that you know at some point you need to go back and work on or finish up or finalize. Third thing I would suggest is you need to increase the effectiveness of your communication so that you can decrease the frustrations that come and, and the stress that comes from unmet expectations. Uh, the late Stephen Covey, the, the great author and speaker, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of his longstanding mantras was that he believed almost all human conflict was a result of unmet expectations. I thought you were going to do something and you didn't do it. I never expected that you were going to do that, and sure enough, you did. And so here's, very quickly, here's a few things on, on ways we can avoid that. Number one, clearly establish what the expectations are. What can I expect from you? What can you expect from me? And, and be as specific as you possibly can. Then you need to have an accountability mechanism in place where we say, here's how we're going to measure this. Here's, here's when we're going to check up on this. Here's how we're going to know what success looks like once we get there or what it's going to look like if we fall short and how we're going to measure that. Along the way, we need to manage those expectations. You know, if you go and, and, and you, you know, I thought I was going to have this done by this afternoon, but it looks like it's going to be Friday before I can get to it. I don't want to wait until this afternoon when you were expecting to get it from me and you come to my office or you call me or you email me asking for whatever it was that was due to you. And I say, well, something came up that I wasn't expecting. It's going to be a couple of days. I need to tell you before the, the expectation goes unmet, before the deadline comes, before we measure and realize we've fallen short. I want to manage that ahead of time. I want to have timelines and milestones in place so that we can check up on that, so that we can know if we're making progress. I want to have periodic updates, whether that comes in the form of a one-on-one -on -one or a team meeting uh, or an email update, whatever that may be. And then finally on that one, open communication in the right way, professional, constructive communication can help to avoid and or resolve conflict that may arise along the way. Those in my mind, those are really the, the first few biggest rocks in the pile there that are going to help people to reduce stress in the workplace. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. In 2017, Prima will host two enterprise risk management ERM trainings. The first ERM training session will take place March 21st through 22nd in Memphis, Tennessee. The second ERM training will take place November 14th through 15th in San Diego, California. I hope you're able to attend one of the 2017 Prima ERM training. Here are some words from Prima's ERM faculty member, Tim Wiseman, regarding why risk management professionals should attend Prima's ERM training. Well, I think we find ourselves today in a very complex environment not only with the global marketplace, but the advancement of technology and communications, uh, both public and private sector entities and organizations are really wrestling with how to process information about vulnerabilities and risks that are associated with their objectives and goals and strategies. So there's sort of a general understanding and realization that some of the older practices in risk management may have been adequate at the time, but there's sort of a need to step up the game and take a more holistic approach. And I think that's the door that's opening and has opened for organizations, both public and private sector, to embrace 
uh, an enterprise-wide risk management approach. To learn more about Prima's ERM training, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Randy and Danica. Now, what can you do to reduce the stress that other people cause? Well, you know, when you think about it, I, I think most of us would have to admit other people truly do become a big source of stress for us, but we couldn't do without them. You know, we have to have them. We can't do without them. But nonetheless, it's it's them looking at life differently, them going about a project differently, them communicating differently than what we would do that causes us to be stressed. And so, you know, a few things on that that, that to me have been very helpful and, and for the folks that I've coached and trained and, and managed over the years. Number one, try to keep the focus on the issue and not the personalities. Really focus on what the issue is. What's the problem? What's the task? What's the project? As opposed to the personalities that are involved. Because in as much as we maybe get frustrated with that individual, if we can work together to accomplish the task, we don't have to cook out together on the weekend necessarily. I don't have to have them at my Christmas party in order for us to be able to work together effectively. And, and you, you hear, we've heard you know, the example over and over again that we're frustrated with the messenger and not the message. You know, there are some people I could send them to your office to tell you you got a raise, and you'd be frustrated that I sent that person to tell you. And so we've got to make sure that we're focused on the right thing, which is the issue or the task or the project, as opposed to the person who is working beside us and, and getting hung up in our personal differences. Second thing is we want to search for solutions rather than finding fault. If I'm out looking for a solution, I'm looking for the best outcome for the customer or for the entire organization, for the team or whatever. If I'm, if I'm trying to find fault, if I'm trying to lay blame, then most of the time all I'm trying to do is make sure I'm not the one who's left standing when the music stops or I'm not the one who gets thrown under the bus. But most of the time when I, when I look at it, and I talk about this a lot in my conflict resolution training, determining who's wrong and laying blame is usually a step that we can skip because all we're really trying to do is to fix the system or to accomplish the goal. One thing to keep in mind, and, and anyone who has more than one child at home knows this, one person being wrong does not automatically make the other person right. Usually both of them have some amount of good information, some amount of solution in their perspective, and if we can take the best of both of those and put them together, we're going to come up with the best solution. You know, I heard a guy uh, say one time, don't get caught in someone else's tornado. You know, if their life is out of control, we don't need to get swept up into that. I don't want to work to make someone else's problems my problems. I've got plenty of challenges to take care of, and I don't need to make somebody else's problems my problems. And, you know, finally, I would say try to avoid a running scoreboard. You know, everybody's going to do something that's going to frustrate you or make you mad or, or slow you down or derail you at some point. But don't don't hold every stupid thing they ever did or said against them. You know, we're in the political season right now, and I've often wondered, if I were to run for public office, I wonder what they would dredge up on me and put on television commercials. And, and none of us want to have to measure up against that. Against You know, any given day, we don't want to have to measure up against all the bad days we've had in the past and the things that we said at that time and the decisions that we made. So, you know, we can't fix other people. But by doing those few things, by doing those six or seven things, I really think that we can be less stressed by other people uh, because we're not taking them quite so much uh, to, you know, down to the deep wounds that sometimes can be caused by people working together. Randy, if we're frustrated with stress that other people cause, 
Isn't it likely that we cause other people's stress? And what can we do about that? Well, we hate to admit it, but I think if we're honest, we, we would have to say, yeah, if, if I, you know, one of the things I ask oftentimes, uh, you know, in team building presentations is even in an organization, no matter how big, I, I can say, how many of you, is there somebody in the room who causes you frustration? I mean, you can just see them coming down the hall from a distance and you kind of begin to feel yourself get tensed up or stressed out or the hair on the back of your neck stands up, well, almost everybody will raise their hand and say yes. And my question after that is, how many of you have realized you are that for someone else? And so we're we're causing stress for other people. And and when we look at what we can do about that, you know, the first thing I think you got to do is you want to try to be completely honest. Try to be open-minded. Try to be completely honest with yourself and make yourself identify the things that you're doing that could be frustrating to somebody else. You know, personality quirks, the way that I am, that's pretty hard to realize, pretty hard to acknowledge, and makes it difficult to change. But if there's just a, you know, in, in good West Texas speak, if there's a hole in your bucket, you know, if it's your time management system or if it's your organization or if it's your communication skills or whatever, we can fix those. We can identify those and fix those. If you're really serious about it, you know, get your courage up and ask some people who work most closely with you or ask the people outside of work in your personal life who love you the most, who care the most about you, what they think you could improve on. And, you know, it, and it's hard to it's hard to ask somebody to crit- criticize you. It's hard to ask somebody to critique what you're doing. But when you ask them, don't defend, don't rationalize, don't justify anything. Just listen. And then just think about, could I do something about that to make myself better? I think most of the time you'll be, you'll be really surprised at how appreciative and forgiving people will be if they can see that you're trying to improve personally and professionally. And, and they're not going to beat you up most of the time. If you pick the right people, they're not going to beat you up. They're not going to beat you down. They're not going to laugh at you. They're not going to be cruel. They're going to tell you things in a way that if you're willing to listen and willing to improve yourself, then it really will make a huge difference for you long term. What are some of the other benefits we would expect to realize by reducing stress? Well, you know, if we can if we can lessen the stress in our life, number one, the obvious one, and uh, the most common answer right now from most doctors, what's causing health problems in America right now, stress is one of the biggest contributors. So number one, you'll feel better. Life will, will just be better because you'll feel better. You'll be in better health. Number two, I think you'll find greater fulfillment in life if you're not stressed out and you're able to enjoy it a little bit more along the way. And enjoying your work will allow you to be a more enjoyable person at home. Enjoying your career will allow you to be more excited about going to work and working with the people that are in your office, serving your customers, doing something that's really going to matter long term. I think on a, on a little bit uh, smaller scale, instead of a big grandiose here's life scale, but on a smaller scale, I think if you're less stressed, you're going to be able to focus better. I think when you're less stressed, you can produce better work. You can, for most of us, we can be more thorough and more conscientious about our work. I think for most of us, we become a better teammate, a better team member. We become a better employee or we're a better manager, a better boss to work for. I think for most of us, we would agree that we'd like to go to work with people we like so don't we want to be a likable person at work? Well, the less stressed that we are, the less critical we become of other people, the less short we are with them in our words and our tone, the better able we are to meet deadlines, the more likely it is that we're going to be somebody who's going to produce the type of service 
that's going to make customers want to keep coming back. And if I can get those things, if I can get the momentum started on those and get those rolling forward, then for most of us, I really think that it's going to create a greater level of enjoyment at work and a greater level of fulfillment in life. Thank you very much, Randy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me today. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Randy and Danica. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and to learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Enjoy the rest of your day.